You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. There comes a time when God's patience and mercy is exhausted and God stops speaking, leaving people to self-destruct. He talks and He speaks and He calls and He pursues and He shares and He puts messenger after messenger and pastor after message in your life. But if you refuse to listen, there comes a time when God's patience is exhausted and He stops speaking and leaves you to yourself. As we cling to the simple Do you think it's possible to love someone while stepping back to let them make choices that will cause them pain or suffering? God does this for you. He's given you the freedom to choose how you want to live and who you want to live for, and will step back if you choose not to follow Him. As Pastor Dion teaches today, you can see this unfold with the Jewish leaders. Jesus spoke to them many times about their hypocrisy, their pride, and mistreatment of others, but they refused to bend, so Jesus stopped talking. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 23, with today's edition of The Simple Truth. The Jews revolted. They declared a jihad against the Romans. The uprise upset what was called the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana was a covenant, a peace plan that the Romans imposed Here was the thought. Caesar thought, I want all the people in my empire to be happy with the fact that I am emperor and that they are ruled and controlled by Rome. I want it to be peace, so we'll do it with an iron fist, but there should be no uprisings. And they had done it well until now. The Jews were revolting against Rome. The uprising was upsetting the Pax Romana and it was upsetting Caesar. Caesar was livid and he told Pilate, that's strike one. Everybody said, that's what? That's strike one. Kind of like the story of the newlywed couple on their honeymoon in Europe. They arranged to ride horseback through the scenic mountain road. Doesn't that sound romantic? The wife's horse was skittish when she tried to mount, so her husband gently held the horse's bridle, looked into his eyes, and calmly said to the horse, that's strike one. Once she was mounted on her horse, the horse fought the reins and wouldn't let her lead. Again, the husband gently held the horse's bridle, looked into his eyes, and calmly said, that's strike two. A few minutes of riding, they had been on their way. The wife's horse reared up with her on it. The husband dismounted, walked up to the wife's horse and said, that's strike three. Pulled out his revolver and shot the horse. The wife was irate. What's wrong with you? Because that's what wives say. What's wrong with you? Why the heck did you kill my horse? That's when her husband looked into her eyes and calmly said, that's strike one. (laughs) Caesar 
told Pilate the same thing about the uprising. That strike one. Say it again. What? That strike one. These religious leaders had got Pilate in trouble with Caesar one time already. Then, sometime later, because the water in Jerusalem was bad, Pilate started the plans to build an aqueduct from Solomon's pool near Bethlehem all the way to Jerusalem. Five and a half mile aqueduct. But, everybody say, but, it was an expensive endeavor and it wasn't sanctioned by Rome. Therefore, there was no government funds for it. So Pilate raided the Jewish temple treasury and the sacred gifts to finance the job. The Jews were outraged. These same religious leaders in his court were outraged. They started a riot. And both Jews and Romans were being killed on the temple mount. Caesar found out and told Pilate, that's, everybody said, strike, what? You got to say it with some Italian flair, though. Strike two, right? So now these same religious leaders are demanding Pilate kill Jesus, who he knows is innocent, and it's getting heated. Do you realize the tension here? Do you realize the predicament? So Pilate doesn't want to be their puppet, but he doesn't want to tick them off. He doesn't want to just say, okay, I'll kill him. Because, you know, he doesn't want to be their puppet, but he doesn't want to tick these guys off. Because <sighs> that would be strike, everybody said. So Pilate was hoping for a way out. Then one of the accusers in the passage we read, he Mention Galilee. Everybody said what? Galilee. If Jesus is a Galilean, he needs to be tried in Galilee by a Galilean governor who is named Herod. Everybody said out loud, who? <laughs> Let's read the passage. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. Jesus. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and had hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned Jesus with many words. But he answered him nothing, and the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. So we'll stop there. So, they're accusing Jesus in front of Pilate. All 71 judges probably had already been coached. Listen, when we go take Jesus to Pilate, nobody, nobody mention Galilee. Nobody mention Galilee. Got it? 
And then they got heated. And you know how it is when it gets heated and your emotions get up there and you say stuff you shouldn't. Look at your neighbor and say, I think I know who he's talking about. And somebody said, he has brought this poison and he's been spreading it around this indoctrination, this global conspiracy. He has brought it all the way from Galilee to here. And Pilate said, oh, Galilee, Galilee. Did, did somebody say Galilee? Is this man a Galilean? Pilate got his out. So he sent him to Herod. Now, this Herod that is stated, this was Herod the Great's son. Herod the Great was the one who killed the babies after Jesus was born, trying to eliminate Jesus. That Herod the Great, this was his son named Antipas. Everybody say his name what? Antipas. Now, early in the gospel, we were introduced to this Herod Antipas. And we were told that he enjoyed listening to John the Baptist. This Herod, the great son Herod Antipas, is also the guy who took away his brother's wife, brought her to come and live with him as the patriarch or the tetrarch of Galilee. Her name was Herodias. Well, this guy used to like to listen to John the Baptist. Herod Antipas was intrigued with John's messages. Even though John would tell him, it's unlawful. It's, not, it's against God's law for you to have that woman. You're an adulterous relationship. You're an adulterer. I mean, you're supposed to be king of the Jews. You're supposed to be following the law. Repent, John would say. Say it out loud. What? Repent. And Herod Antipas enjoyed listening to John's sermons. I don't know, maybe some kind of a masochist. He enjoys the conviction. Make, make me feel bad, Pastor, please. I just want to feel bad about myself because then I feel good. <laughs> you laugh, but there are so many people that are just like that. So this Herod Antipas enjoyed listening to, to, to John's preaching. He heard many of these messages and he wrestled with conviction, but then Herod Antipas silenced John. He had John imprisoned and then beheaded him on the whim of his lover. We know the story. Now, during Jesus' ministry, after John was dead, and Jesus, of course, his ministry began, during the early part of Jesus' ministry, Herod Antipas asked for a private audience with Jesus, had sent a messenger, a courier, to invite Jesus to his place. But Jesus refused. In fact, Jesus said, you tell that old fox that I'm too busy. I've got work of the kingdom to get done. He refused. Everybody said, he refused. So now Herod is excited that Pilate is sending Jesus to his court. Herod is excited for two reasons. Number one, because Pilate, the Roman governor, never acknowledged Herod's authority. He had always looked down on him, and now he's sending someone to my court. He's acknowledging my authority. This opened up a new relationship between Pilate and Herod, and that was what was documented. That was the first reason Herod was excited about Pilate sending Jesus to his court. The second reason Herod was excited about Jesus coming 
was because he thought that Jesus was an illusionist, a magician. That's what he thought. He's got a strange magic. It's what he kind of thought, you know. A strange magic. It's coming. The magic show is coming to my house. Herod was hoping for Jesus to put on a show. But this is what Jesus said to Herod. Everybody say it out loud. Not a word. Say it again. Not a word. You know, Herod had heard many sermons. Many messages from John to repent. He had heard a lot of them. But he never listened nor obeyed. Did you know that there comes a time when God's patience and mercy is exhausted and God stops speaking and leaves you to self-destruct? I'm going to say that again because it's pretty important. There comes a time when God's patience and mercy is exhausted and God stops speaking, leaving people to self-destruct. He talks and He speaks and He calls and He pursues and He shares and He puts messenger after messenger and pastor after message in your life. But if you refuse to listen, there comes a time when God's patience is exhausted and He stops speaking and leaves you to yourself. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 95, verse 6, read it with me. Come, let us worship Him and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, because He is our God and we are the people He takes care of and the sheep that He tends. Today, listen to what He says. Do not be stubborn. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be stubborn. Listen, don't be stubborn. Now, Jesus is in Herod's court. Herod is asking him questions about him and about accusations against him, but Jesus says nothing to him. Herod became frustrated with Jesus' silence, and so he made a mockery of Jesus. He treated him like a court jester for laughs, and then he sent him back to Pilate. Let's read the verse, verse 13, what happens next. Then Pilate, and everybody say, ah, oh, because that's what Pilate said when he saw Jesus coming back. Ah, oh. then Pilate, when he called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. So there's the statement. Jesus comes back to Pilate. The case isn't over. And Pilate is acting more like a defense attorney for Jesus than a judge. I mean, Pilate is just looking for some way out of killing an innocent man. 
Pilate thought if maybe if the people saw blood, they would be satisfied. So he handed Jesus over to be chastised. The word is flogged or whipped. So he hands Jesus over to be flogged or whipped. Now the Romans used what they called the cat of nine tails. It was a whip with glass, metal, and bone embedded into the nine leather strands. This would shred the flesh on both sides of its victims. Many criminals wouldn't survive. But Jesus held on through this brutal beating of 39 stripes. Jesus held on because our salvation on the cross was His mission. I won't die before I get there. Your face and our lives was on His mind. Now after the flogging, Pilate presented a bloody Jesus to the religious leaders. He told them that Jesus was going to be the prisoner he would pardon this year for Passover. Because he did it every year. But the religious leaders would not have it. Let's look at verse 18. And they all cried out at once saying, Away with this man! Even though this bloody Jesus standing there, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas! who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. Four times Pilate tries to negotiate them with them. Four times. He says, Then Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! The 71 Sanhedrin council members in the courtroom. Then he said to them a third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of their chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested, and he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Every year at Passover, Pilate would pardon a Jewish prisoner. It was a gesture of goodwill. Pilate was certain that the crowd would be sympathetic to a bloodied rabbi who had taught and fed and healed them. But the religious leaders were the majority in the courtroom. And they began chanting this. Everybody said out loud, We want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Is what they were shouting. Now Barabbas was a convicted criminal. A political revolutionary. We'd call him a Zionist. He was fighting Rome for the liberation of Jerusalem. Barabbas was a liar, a deceiver, a rebel, a cheater, a thief, and a murderer. He had been found guilty and sentenced to die. He was on death row. In fact, the Roman soldiers had just called Barabbas out of his cell and announced, this, everybody said out loud, dead man walking. Barabbas was headed to pick up a cross with his name on it. 
Barabbas heard his name being chanted from inside the courtroom. Little did he know that an innocent man was about to take his place. An innocent man was about to take his torture, his pain, his cross, and his judgment. Jesus did it for Barabbas. He did it for us. This is more than Barabbas' story. It's ours. Look at your neighbor and say, it's ours. See, because of sin, we were dead men walking towards judgment. The Bible says, Paul wrote in Ephesians, that we were enemies of God, criminals because of our sin, destined for destruction. We were dead men walking towards judgment but Jesus took our place. Here's what the Bible says. Isaiah 53, verse 4. We saw His suffering and thought God was punishing Him for His own sins. But He was wounded for the wrong we did. He was crushed for the evil we did. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Jesus is the one who took God's wrath against our sins upon Himself and brought us into fellowship with God and He is the forgiveness for our sins. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, read it out loud with me. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into Him our sins. Then, in exchange, He poured God's goodness into us. Yeah, that was a great place to, to shout and praise. Don't let the bloody Jesus bring you to a place of discouragement. He took our sin. He took our penalty. He took our pain. And then He, in return, gives us His goodness. He gives us His righteousness. Jesus gave us a presidential pardon, a government bailout, a get-out-of-hell-free card, a new lease on life. Jesus took our prison-issued jumpsuits and gave us His robe of righteousness. Wow. But in order for all of that to be valid, you have to call on Him. Just like that new debit card that you get in the mail, you can't get what's in the account until you call to activate it. Jesus made the sacrifice 2,000 years ago. But now it's up to us to make the call, to decide that we want what's in that account, salvation and peace and hope and love and righteousness. Can you say amen? As we cling to the simple We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Luke, one of the narratives of Jesus' life on earth. Luke's perspective emphasizes the human interactions that Jesus had, his time spent caring deeply for people, no matter who they were or what their story was. Jesus cares for you in the same way. He knows what your background is, but that hasn't changed his opinion of you. 
He just wants to get to know you and show you what unconditional love is. His grace is big enough to cover all of your sins, and He's offering you a new life today. We'd love to tell you more, so please give us a call. We'll share how Jesus can impact your life forever and what steps you can take to begin a relationship with Him. Our phone number is 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved with a local church as well. This will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Española area? If so, we'd love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for more from Luke right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.